0: Hello and welcome to an important podcast conversation from the Resilience Centre about an issue that touches all too many families in Australia, family violence. But this time, what about the kids? I'm Lee Hatcher. In all the very welcome recent focus on family violence, not much is often said about the kids who live day in, day out in this climate of fear. This is the first of two conversations with Davide Pietro, Family Clinic Principal Therapist at the Resilience Centre, and psychologist, Deanna Costa. In this podcast, we discuss how do you talk to kids about family violence, and in part two, what we can do to help. David welcome. Great to see you. Thank you, Thank Lee. So you two are a bit of a dynamic duo here at the Brazilian <laughs> Centre.
1: Well, uh, it feels like it. It's, it feels like a bit of a moment for us talking to you today, Lee. Um, it's yeah. great to have you both here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank good. you. So Diana and I actually met each other 11 years ago when I was working as a family counsellor for a child protection non-government agency. Okay. And Diana was working for child protection services at the time, so... Yeah, it's kind of cool to be here 11 years later, yes. working together for officially for the first time.
2: Yes, yes, very exciting for us, very exciting.
0: Talking in a space where we it kind of all began in a way. Yeah, an important space too. It may seem an obvious question, but I think it's helpful to define family violence. Exactly what what is it, what is it not? Because it comes in a range of different dynamics. Sadly, family violence is an experience that far too many
1: people are living yes family violence is an abuse of intimate trusting and safe relationships that a family should be able to provide many children and young people in australia live in a family where a parent is being abused yes and those children grow up in a climate of fear in most cases they'll be in the same room or the next room when the violence occurs and the violence doesn't need to be ongoing in order to impact children that's interesting We often think about violence as being physical, but I hope by now we know that it encompasses so much
0: more. Yes, so family violence can be more than physical abuse. In what
1: way, David? There are lots of different types of abuse. Verbal is one, uh, and that's the screaming, the shouting, the name calling. And psychological abuse and emotional abuse are two terms that often get used interchangeably, mm. but they are very different. Okay. And psychological abuse is about creating fear. So it can be behaviour such as driving dangerously or uh, possessing weapons, angry looks, destroying properties or hurting pets. Whereas emotional abuse is more the blaming and undermining self-esteem and self-worth. It's
0: interesting that, Distinction.
1: As well as those, there's financial abuse, sexual abuse,
0: spiritual and religious abuse, reproductive abuse, and image based abuse. So, take us through, Diana, the range of impacts on kids, the things that parents should probably be on the lookout for, often very physical impacts
2: they can range quite a lot and it depends on the age of the child as well and no not just physical we can nah. we often see a lot of tummy complaints with kids that have experienced domestic violence headaches uh, waking during the night um, wanting comfort of uh, the comfort of a nightlight at night for example feeling sick not wanting to eat in general having sleep Issues or sleeping badly, nightmares, and wetting the bed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the list goes on. It's crying a lot, even becoming aggressive, or throwing, hitting, becoming violent themselves. And then you may see it in other areas such as speech. You may see speech difficulties, stutters, etc.
0: It's quite a list. And it's interesting that these impacts will actually differ according to the age of the child. Yeah. I'd like to go through those. Let's start with infants.
2: Yeah, so babies, we'll start with the babies, yeah, who have experienced family violence. They can have poor health, also poor sleeping habits or you notice excessive screaming and in general uh, an insecure attachment to their mother figure or father figure.
0: What's that look like?
2: That might mean that upon departing from their parents, they might seem overly distressed or concerned, you know, not feeling safe to venture out and explore the world. Parents may find it difficult to settle them even when they're just there and cuddling them. They don't comfort easily. Developmental evidence suggests that children begin to learn the importance of emotions, from communication and regulation in their first year of life. They look for cues in their caregiver in order to recognise the appropriate emotion. So we're learning that. We're learning that from our parents.
0: So what about toddlers? That's infants.
2: Yeah, research has shown that by the age of about two, kids are learning how to express their emotions. So toddlers will learn how to express their feelings from others in the family. Verbal anger, causes distress in toddlers and when verbal anger is accompanied by physical attacks children will be more affected so when there's that combination there when children are exposed to verbal and physical violence their sense of security is affected in much more of a rehearsed manner than when they were infants or babies these are little people that are looking to the adults to recognize appropriate emotions
1: and they're looking for the whole picture Not just the words. Once I worked with a family where a young boy had witnessed significant physical violence between his parents, uh, mainly perpetrated by the father. Upon meeting with me for the first time, this little boy fused himself behind his mum's legs. Mm. He peeked up briefly and they locked the gaze just momentarily, but it was enough. And despite all of the reassurance that the mother could provide, this little boy seemed to bury himself even deeper and deeper into the back of her legs. Wow. How old would he have been? He was five or six, I think, at the time.
0: Hmm.
1: Over the course of working with this family, I learned that it was actually very difficult for the mother to attend on that first day as Hmm. she was struggling with her own anxieties about meeting me. I'm sure. Yeah, about talking about her experiences and with a man It seemed like it didn't matter so much the words that the mother was using that day uh, with that little boy to try and pacify him. Yeah,
0: and I can only begin to imagine how distressing this is for a parent also caught up in the midst of family violence to also see a range of really quite troubling impacts on their child separate from the violence.
2: Yeah, that's right. The toddlers who experience violence become more distressed and react with aggression to other kids. You know, kids can become severely shy, you know, really withdrawn, Uh, low self-esteem, you know, not wanting to venture out, not wanting to play with the other kids, frequently complain of feeling sick or ill and just struggling to interact with their peers at school. We often see kids who have experienced domestic violence presenting with a lot of social problems like biting or hitting, arguing, clinginess and anxiety, soiling and toileting issues and the trouble sleeping. So, yeah, that stuff that I mentioned earlier. Kids of this age, they interpret most events in relation to themselves. So that's how they understand the world. They see themselves as the cause of the anger. They don't have that cognitive ability there to to take into account the whole situation. So what we see is they're they're often blaming what's going on between the adults on themselves.
0: What a terrible burden to bear. Yeah. What about kids of primary school age? Are there different dynamics there?
2: Children of this age often develop learning difficulties, resulting in poor academic performance, not wanting to go to school, you know, really reluctant to go to school, and difficulties in concentration, They usually fight with their peers, resent authority, people trying to control them and dislike schoolwork. I mean, more than the average (laughs) kid, course. Yeah, They're really just trying to survive and just maintaining concentration and attention can be a struggle for them.
1: When I worked with a primary school age boy uh, some years ago, he came to my practice and his mother was saying how he was angry at school and disengaged and reactive when limits were set by his teachers. When I spoke to him, he expressed hatred for his father and spoke so oftenly about a revenge that he wished upon his father. And so interestingly, he also spoke about that revenge or there was that revenge talk that seemed to come up in regards to troubles that he might have had with his peers or with a teacher that he felt like was particularly strict. I believe that he had learnt that that had just become a a kind of a blanket way of dealing with issues that came up for him. My heart is
0: breaking for these kids, actually.
2: And, you know, also sometimes they're misreading cues, you know, a simple gesture, hand gesture from somebody or or somebody looking them directly in the eye can seem somewhat threatening for them. They're almost always on the lookout for some type of threat.
1: Yeah. It's so tricky, Lee. In our work with separated families where family violence has been a part of their experience, we have to tread even more carefully than in other family configurations. Yes, of
0: course. And requires quite a specialty.
2: It's an evolving area of work.
1: Yes. Violence is not okay and we have to make that message get through loud and clear. Totally. But what complicates the fact is that kids see themselves as being part mum and part dad. So, if one of their parents is spoken about negatively, or uh, make them out to be
2: the bad guy, the villain, yeah.
1: then there is a risk that they denigrate part of themselves. Yeah, oh and depending on when that happens through a child's life, that can really impact their self-image, self-image, and that sense of who they are as yeah. adults. Yes. So we can't badmouth the other parent. We don't want to exacerbate the fear of the child.
2: I think being able to say some version of a message like your dad found it really hard to know how to act in a safe way when you got angry and you hurt me and that meant that staying home altogether wasn't safe anymore. Conversations like that can be helpful. You might want to add something like it's important to me that you have a relationship with your dad and that we have to find a way to make that relationship safe for everyone because you're loved so much.
1: Yes. Lee, I think that you and I have talked about the idea or the concept of wholehearted permission before. And I think that's that's where that comes in because I think it is really important that a parent is able to say to their child, it's important to me that you have a relationship with your other
0: parent. I just thought though, Deanna, when you were talking, you're not kind of letting... partner off the hook that dad off the hook
2: yeah that's right that's right but you're allowing the child to feel like it's okay to have a relationship with them you're not condoning the behavior you're not saying that it's okay and that the violence was okay you're saying it's okay for you to to love them still even though this has happened and we're going to help you do that in a safe way
0: yeah you're setting a context in a way
1: regardless of whether children are actually seeing their parent or not the relationship is still
0: there as well of course yeah now you've both done a lot of thinking I have some great wisdom from experience uh, about how to have conversations with kids about family violence just how do we do that Conversations with kids
1: can't be planned. Okay. They ask the hardest questions, yeah, and it's for that. usually when you're least ready yes. to answer them. <laughs> yep. But when they do ask them, they can be golden opportunities worth preparing for. Yes. So I guess the first thing that I would say is take the reins. When you open up a conversation, you're telling your child it's safe to talk, and that you can be their emotional container. So saying something like, I know that this has been part of our experience and do you want to talk about it? Mm. Now, you might get just a verbal diarrhea kind of offload. (laughs) Or a brush off. Yeah, or you might just get a, no, I'm fine. And if you get the, no, I'm fine, then that's fine. That's good. And it might be helpful then to say, okay, well, at any time, if you feel like you want to talk about it, then I'm here and I'll probably end up checking and asking you again.
2: It might be helpful, though, to have those words planned for those opportunities when they do present themselves so you kind of don't find yourself off guard yep, when they up. come up and, and don't say, oh, no, I shouldn't have said it that way <laughs> or oh, I could have said that better or, you know, just so you're prepared because you don't know when it's going to come up. Yes. And just to inject messages of support, like I care for you and I will listen to you and you are loved so that they understand no matter what you say, no, no matter how you understand the situation, I love you. There's still I love you, outcome. We're yeah. here. Yeah. yeah.
1: Let your child know that it's always okay to ask questions. Totally. If you're not ready to answer the questions, that's okay too. And maybe saying something like, that's really important. That's a great question or a really important question. I need to think about that. Can you give me some time and maybe we can talk about it again.
0: And make sure you get back to it.
2: Yeah. After Definitely that no time. time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yep. 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 Talking to your children in a way that's appropriate for their ages is super important. So let's not talk about adult concerns. Let's not use adult words. Talk to your children in a way that's right for their ages. Don't talk about adult concerns. very Don't use kids to offload your emotions.
2: I always like to use the, the general rule. Give them enough information. If they want to know more, they'll ask you. They'll ask for clarification. They'll ask for more information. They'll have questions. But if they seem satisfied and you've answered it and they seem quite happy with what you've provided, then that's enough. Monitor your own feelings. So if your child is in distress, then you being distressed at the same time, that's not going to be helpful. No. Uh, and as I mentioned before, yeah, just watch for when your child is ready to stop talking about it. Yes. Sometimes as adults, we can think we have the most important thing to say and we might even say them a few too many times. Um but oh, yeah. <laughs> make sure you're watching to know when they've got what they need to know and when and when that's enough.
0: This has been a really helpful and I must say quite confronting conversation, but so helpful to so many. David and Diana, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Next time a range of very practical issues on how to help a child navigate a relationship with an abusive parent from The Resilience Centre.